The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. Micro apartments, Colin Cullis. I mean, what is a micro apartment? I've seen a microwave. I've seen a micro leaf um, salad. Uh, a micro apartment. Tiny, tiny, tiny. How big is tiny? It's it's tiny, Bruce, and I guess it's uh, that long tradition of uh, realtors uh, having all sorts of interesting terminology and jargon to help uh, better position things. You know, the old double story, as in one story before you buy the place and another one after you bought it. Well, the micro apartments and the tiny homes uh, are not a new movement, but they've been, I'd say, gaining a little bit of pace, certainly here in South Africa. Uh, a couple of years ago, there were these super experimental, will it work kind of ideas uh, this year, there's three or four very large ones, um, and the traction and the, and the, the, the seeming rate of the, of the sales uh, suggests that, uh, one, there is a market, two, the market is, is willing to pay, and seemingly, and this I suppose where the, the experiment is still out in the field, can we live in homes where tiny home, typically 40 square meters, or these micro apartments could be as small as 25 square meters? Um, and the reason for them coming about is not crazy. Uh, to use Mark Twain's old line, you know, uh, buy land, they don't make it anymore. It's simply a component of there being a lot more of us and, and certainly for the spaces where people want to live, um, you know, the, the, the demand and the supply is going to dictate uh, what, you can, uh, what you can get for a rental and certainly what you can uh, make if you were to sell a property. So the idea of developers looking for sometimes old office buildings, sometimes just old uh, apartment buildings and converting it or just raising the things to the ground and rebuilding brand new blocks that are built with a super dense residential units, but mixed in with the sort of co-living spaces. And we touched on this co-living idea uh, some time back. At the time, though, we was looking to try and address uh, urban city living becoming less social. People would sort of just stick to their houses, go to their work and, you know, stuck in their cars. And it was a way to try and make people interact a little more, as well as a way for dealing uh, certainly in cities that have got much older populations for keeping uh, an older generation in touch with the younger generation and, and avoiding getting the sort of elements of loneliness, etc. Well, this is almost the same thing, but uh, aimed at the other side of the segment. Younger people looking to move out of home, uh, move closer to work, uh, benefit from living in a, in a nice, vibrant city, but simply not having the funds to be able to afford it or having to use so much of their income for their accommodation, they've effectively got uh, very little or nothing left for anything else, or are compelled to have to live in places that seriously, uh, those landlords uh, should have big fingers pointed at them uh, for what they're willing to to do for their tenants. Uh, and then the, the other alternative is people looking to find something that is as close as possible to work, all the city centers, uh, but not that close, requiring commutes, in which case you're simply moving the, the cost for the rental into the cost for car ownership or the cost for transport and all of the time delay and pollution and congestion that comes with it. So I don't think I have to paint more of the problem to suggest that we, we certainly are uh, in need of a solution. And one of them put forward uh, by some simply saying, well, let's give it a try. By others, hardcore activists saying this is a no-brainer. And quite honestly, we've been kidding ourselves, thinking there's enough space for everybody to live in very large spaces. Uh, would see that the time is now right for us to begin to do this. In fact, let me give you a little clip from uh, one of these 
Tinyome activist. His name's Andrew Morrison. For very many years, he's been both extolling the virtues of living in the small house he has, and he isn't, uh, you know, living on his own. Often these small homes are focused on people who live alone or, or very young couples, you know, uh, just started going out, just got married, in which case you can still get by in a, in a very small space. He he has been living in a home for quite some time. It's not in a busy um, urban setting. It's in a slightly more rural setting, but allows him to not take up too much space. So it's very, very much an environmental thing. And I think he has an 11-year-old daughter that stays in this really small house with him. But here's his take on, on the costs of ownership of big houses, not just in terms of money, but in terms of time. So somehow we were told that bigger is better, when I really think that bigger means you have less time, you're spending more money, and there's more stress involved. So there are lots of costs that come into it. And again, I'm going to go back to the U.S. averages before I get to the cost of, well, I've already spoken about some financial costs. So we'll talk about other costs like time. So let's say you've you know, dedicated 27% of your time and you're going you're gonna to go to work and you're going to do that and come back and there goes that money. It's gone, right? You have to get to and from work and there's often traffic involved, especially here in the springs. So if you're looking at the average commute, you're looking about an hour, okay? That's round trip. And each person typically in the U.S. works about an eight and a half hour day, including lunch and breaks. That means of the 24 hours in a day, you're not even in your house for nine and a half of them. So add in how much we all sleep. How much do you guys think we sleep? Like five, six hours a night? <laughs> kind of feels like that sometimes. It's actually nine hours. It's the U.S. average. If you add up the amount that you're asleep and the amount that you're gone, it means that you're left with about five and a half hours awake in your house during the day, during the work week. So I personally hope that you're doing a really, really good job with those five and a half hours and that you're using them really well because that's expensive. If you amortize the cost of your house over five and a half hours, that's a lot. It, it's such a, a good, it's a huge point, a huge point that he makes. Now, I mean, not everybody's idea of living in 25 square meters with a partner and a child is, it's not everybody's idea of fun, but it does come down to design. It does come down to the elements that you put into these places because really smart design and having visited friends in other parts of the world who do live in tiny apartments. I mean, you know, 25 square meters is, I think, fairly normal in some urban city centers in Europe. Europe, for example, um, you you manage um, and you manage because you've got floor to ceiling cupboards. You've got lots of space, uh, storage space, smart bathrooms, smart kitchens, you know, foldable tables and chairs, all sorts of really clever innovations that happen. And I think we would have a lot to do on the design front in South Africa because we used to sort of kind of throwing up buildings and not particularly thinking brilliantly about how we, we structure the living in those spaces pretty much. That's a key part, Bruce. And I think even even though South Africa is still way behind the sort of uh, design thinking and, and construction sort of thinking that they have in Europe, the bonus is it's all been done. We simply have to bring it in. So whether that come to insulation to make living in such close proximity to somebody who's literally one wall away from you, the insulation has advanced to the point where you probably won't hear them. Uh, cooling and heating and just ventilation, because if you're that close to your bathroom, uh, there's obviously uh, certain downsides that come with, with inefficient uh, ventilation. But the point is they've managed to solve a lot of those things. And like you say, the smart kitchens, single appliances that can do multiple forms of cooking as opposed to requiring you know one appliance for each of these things is yeah. a massive advantage. And the big one for me, high speed uh, internet, big telly on the wall, and basically you're living in a cinema. And, uh, you know, you don't really have much need to, to have to go out if you just want to relax. And again, for if those five hours is why you're there, uh, then you can make the most of them. But for the rest of the time, and this is the other real clever thing about how they build it, they didn't just say, let's stick a whole bunch of small apartments into a block and be done with it. They have built all of these other uh, co-living spaces that 
in any other event, you'd never have access to. So you could never afford a swimming pool if you bought a small house or you live in a small apartment. But if you live in one of these micro apartments, the building, the block can afford to pay to have a pool person look after the pool and make it available all the time. And a gym and a restaurant, um, concierges, even uh, some of them have a sort of entertainment managers who will arrange social events and book calendar events to have people, one, get to know each other, which again, if you are living there on your own, great way to to meet people and, and, and form new friendships, possibly romantic ones. Uh, but otherwise, just to keep things ticking over. And once again, uh, there, there was one that I came across that simply said, we don't sell parking. We, we just don't think a building for its location, it's slap bang in the middle of the city, uh, Should you should be concerned with a car. Walk to where you need to get to, and we've thought about everything you might need. It's in walking distance. And for anything else, a short Uber drive. Uh, and Uber themselves have stated uh, that their ideal was to make using Ubers so cheap that it would be less than having to own a car. And again, the congestion, the parking, all of that sort of stuff actually does make sense. So for all of those reasons, it's a pretty good idea. However, uh, getting South Africans to accept it, well, let me say getting 702 at Cape Talk listeners to accept it, that might be a little harder. I asked uh, in a poll just ahead of the show, uh, what, what sort of how small could you go? Uh, and, the, and the number one, 64% said they're not going under 100 square meters, which is not an insubstantial flat as it goes. Um, some said 25% said they draw the line at 50 square meters. 10% said they could handle 25 square meters. And nobody said that they were prepared to go less than 25 square meters. I watched a video recently of a woman living in Japan. She had an eight square meter apartment, kitchen, bathroom, bedroom. That was really uh, kind of pushing the boat out. Uh, but that's how small it can go. And again, with very clever designs, etc. And if you're super close to other amenities and places to entertain, friends, etc., um, then it's not necessarily you know too much of a hassle. Uh, I've got a couple of pros and cons. I don't think it's too hard to consider no, these. No, absolutely. But just... Yep. But just you know, just before you do that, I mean, for the vast majority of South Africans, a 25 uh, meter square, um, really well designed, dignified space would be really good as, as as a way to enter a property market, for example. Yeah, in fact, the, the pros and cons I'll leave online because I think that's the key thing. Um, you know, owning a home isn't just like an economic, useful thing to have. It's a dream for a lot of people. Uh, but seriously, once you've once you've managed to get your foot on the on the ladder, as it were, uh, and it's not so so difficult for you to to pay off those bonds, then you're more likely to get to a position where the equity for the home is going to allow you to get a bigger bond. It's going to allow you to pay the bond off sooner, so you'll be able to afford something a little bigger, which means you, you get moving up to the point where when you're ready to start a family, when you'd like to have somewhere with a little more space and you know can have a pet without feeling guilty about it, you're in a position to do so. So this does seem like a very useful sort of bridging idea to not just say, well, rely on rich parents or tough luck. Um, it does have some questions, though, for you know, South Africa doesn't just have a problem with not enough uh, of, of small size units. We've got a real problem with, with how do we handle social housing? And I try to find some options to see, can it answer this, uh, this sort of question? And the answer, the short answer seems to be no, because typically social housing is needed for, for larger family units, multi-generational sort of families, uh, relatives, etc. So you can't really say, oh, well, separate everybody out or squeeze you all into 25 square meters. But it may be possible under certain circumstances that multiple units could be allocated. I think what's more practical, though, is that in any of these residential setups, um, a certain number of units must be set aside and, and on a lottery basis or on a rental control basis, made available to people who otherwise wouldn't qualify. Sort of start 
adding uh, the opportunity for some more people to get access to this that otherwise wouldn't and start slowly closing that gap as it were. Um, but then the other caution I would give is, you know, speculators coming in here, driving up the, the cost to make them yeah. unaffordable again, hoping for a quick buck a year or two down the line, pushing up the rentals to make them inaffordable, uh, not looking after the premises and then and having nobody want to live there is a big problem. Uh, similarly, they're great little Airbnb units. You imagine a lot of people saying, great, get this thing, make a lot on, on, the, on the short-term rentals. But once again, as we saw during the pandemic, terrible time if, if you're reliant on that. And Cape Town itself has had a, sort of an oversupply recently with people buying for that reason. Um, so there are as many downsides as there are upsides. And that's the case with most things. I think as a, as a concept, it's a, a very good one. As a, is it going to be disruptive? I think it will. But like most disruptions, they, they disrupt the part of the market that needed the disruption. We, they cut away the deadwood and allow for something new to be developed. They don't kill old things. They're not going to stop people wanting to have a lovely home or a bit of space around them. And in that case, I think it's wonderful that we can start talking about them and making more of these things available to South Africans. Colin Cullis with Business Unusual this evening on The Money Show.